Jesus, thank you. And uh, that's a good job. And don't ever forget that message in song. And uh, keep that message uh, there before your heart. And you'll be amazed at what a grateful, thankful heart will do for you. It will, uh, it will bless you throughout your life. And I, I think that's some, uh, something that's separated uh, a lot of those that God used in great ways. As they, they were grateful, they were thankful. You kind of look at the life of Joseph, the life of Daniel. They're two of my favorites in the Word of God, and it just seems like they had an excellent spirit, and I think part of that is being grateful in, in every situation. Mark chapter 8, would you stand with me here this evening as we read together a portion of the Word of God, Mark chapter 8. We're going to begin in verse number 1, Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse number 1 this evening. And it reads, In those days, the multitude being very great, and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him, and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now been with me three days, and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, how many loaves have ye? And they say, Seven. And he commanded the, the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break, and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So, did, uh, so they did eat and were filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Now the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 15 relates this. There were 4,000 men besides the women and children. And so it was a multitude. That's a lot of people to feed with seven uh, loaves of bread and just a few small fishes. And... Uh, uh, sometimes you may feel like that. Uh, we had six kids, and I felt like sometimes that's what we were doing. And you get teenagers, it's like feeding 4,000, okay? And, uh, but God always makes it go just a little bit further, and uh, he takes care, meets the needs. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his help tonight. And uh, what a blessing it is to be here tonight in church. Father, thank you. Thank you for already ministering to us, Lord, just uh, that we might take and apply that song that we've just heard. I want to be thankful. And Lord, we truly have so much to be thankful for. We even read here in the scripture that you took the seven loaves and the few fishes and you gave thanks. And you looked up to heaven giving thanks. And Lord, help us to have that kind of heart, the heart that you reflected. And Lord, I pray here tonight that you would just take your word and minister to the very place and point of need. Have your way in this service. And Lord, we do thank you for the privilege of serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated here this evening. And I'd like you for just a moment uh, to go back with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter number 6. Because we've, we previously had an account where Jesus uh, fed the multitudes. This was a different multitude, a different occasion, a different time. There are two separate events. And in Mark chapter 6, Jesus took his disciples. They went to a desert place uh, to be alone. And it's evident as the crowds were thronging the Lord Jesus that he looked for those opportunities to be alone. But you'll notice in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 33, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him. 
and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, or all cities, and went out with them, and came to gather unto him. So what we find is Jesus was going to a desert place to get alone. The multitudes got ahead of him, and they discerned where he was directed, where he was going, and they went before him. And so Jesus took that opportunity, seeing the multitudes. He taught them on that occasion through the day. At the end of the day, they were hungry. There was no place for them to go and purchase food. And so one little boy had lunch, and I love that story of the little boy, and we read that portion of that account in the Gospel of Mark, or John, uh, chapter number 6, about the little boy with the five loaves of bread, uh, the two little fishes, that little boy gave his lunch to Jesus, and uh, Jesus took that bread and those fish, and he broke it, and he says to the disciples, give ye them to eat. And so when we preached on this, that was the title of our message is give ye them to eat. How the Lord used the disciples to feed the multitude. He worked a miracle on that occasion. The Bible tells us in that particular account, it was 5,000 men besides the women and children. In verse 42 of Mark 6, the Bible tells us they did all eat and were filled. And in verse 43, they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. So a great miracle that the Lord worked. In John chapter 6, Jesus related this to the fact that he is the bread of life. And he's teaching the fact that he's the manna that's come from heaven. Uh, he fed the 5,000. This is the only miracle, John, Mark 6, the only miracle recorded in all four of the Gospels. Other than, of course, we know the resurrection. That's a miracle and uh, various things like that. But in the earthly ministry of the Lord, that's the one miracle mentioned in all four of the Gospels. Now we go to Mark chapter 8 here this evening, and Mark chapter 8, very similar miracle. It's recorded only in the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 15, there are a few differences. On this occasion, 4,000 men, beside the women and children, uh, five, seven loaves of bread and a few small fishes. And after the feeding of the multitude, they took up seven fragments or seven baskets full of the fragments, uh, whereas on the previous occasion, there were 12 baskets. Now, I'm going to break this down and then, and then begin and bring to us some lessons tonight, some principles. And one thing I am so thankful for is that Jesus is constantly in the training business. And I believe largely with this miracle and many of the miracles, he's training, he's preparing the disciples, he's preparing his preachers for the time that he's going to go away. Now, verses 1 and one through 3, Mark chapter 8, we see his compassion here for the multitude. Notice the statement in verse number 2, where he looks at his disciples, and he says, I have compassion on the multitude. And so often we read of the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that word compassion means a suffering with another. Uh, it's a painful sympathy. It's a sensation of sorrow. Excited by the distress or the misfortunes of another. That word compassion means a pity. And the Lord, as he looked upon these crowds, these multitudes, he, he had a pity or a compassion upon them. Uh, you'll find that it was compassion that brought Jesus from heaven to this earth. In compassion, he heard the cry of a sinful world. In compassion, he saw the multitudes that fainted were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Often during his earthly ministry, he was moved with compassion. It was compassion that led to the healing ministry of the Lord. 
uh, the lepers, the demon-possessed, the diseased, the lame, the blind, uh, the deaf, all of these in compassion, the Lord reached out to them and healed them. Uh, you study the teaching and preaching ministry of the Lord. Uh, it was out of compassion. Uh, I think of, of Jeremiah. He was the weeping prophet, but I think he was a type or a picture of Jesus. And I believe often in the ministry of Jesus, we see tears. He's moved with compassion. Uh, raising the dead, we come to the tomb or the grave of Lazarus in, in John 11. And the shortest verse of the Bible says of Jesus that he wept. And I believe he was moved with compassion. He saw Mary and Martha and he saw the, the crowd as they were uh, really grieved over the death of Lazarus. And Jesus was moved with compassion that led to the raising of Lazarus. We see if uh, the 12-year-old girl, we read about that previously in the Gospel of Mark, the daughter of Jairus, and how I believe in compassion Jesus went to that home and ministered to that family and took that little girl by the hand and raised her back to life again. Uh, it was compassion that took Jesus to the cross. Uh, it was compassion for the sins of mankind, for my sin, for your sin, for our lostness, uh, for eternity in hell. Uh, I believe he heard the weeping and crying and saw that need, and in compassion he gave his life and shed his blood upon the cross of Calvary. Now Mark chapter 8, this miracle of the feeding of the multitude, it's a result of his compassion, he said, I have compassion on the multitude. Now you go back in verse number 1. It tells us that it was a great multitude. And you notice in verse number 1, having nothing to eat. Uh, 4,000 men, women, and children uh, out here in the desert or in this uh, portion here. This was near, the, near Decapolis, uh, near the Sea of Galilee. And, and uh, he sees this multitude. And they have nothing to eat. Again in verse number 2. Uh, they had been with Jesus three days, and it's reiterated, again, they have nothing to eat. For three days, they've listened to Jesus, they've heard his teaching, they've heard his preaching, and so for these three days, there was little or nothing to eat. And verse 3, he said, if I send them away fasting to their own homes, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. It's quite a predicament. They've been fasting for three days, no food. Uh, hearing the preaching of Jesus, a long way to get home. He says, I have compassion on the multitude. He knows for them to leave from that place, many of them would faint, by the way, because of the distance of the journey, because of their weakness, and because of their hunger. I, I was thinking about uh, one time hunting and uh, getting a little bit further away from camp than I intended to get away from camp. And uh, you get to what the end of the day and the food is gone and uh, there are no uh, little cans of beanie weenies in the backpack. They're all gone and uh, no more of the uh, little hostess cakes there that uh, you brought with you and you start to get hungry by the end of that day. And you wonder, you're going to make it back to camp in time. It's a great distance to get back to camp. And that's kind of what Jesus is thinking of the multitude. And he's moved with compassion. I have compassion on the multitude. You'll see often in the ministry of Jesus Christ, it was his compassion that moved him to action. Now, in this, there's also, of course, a spiritual picture, and, and you'll see this throughout the Word of God. Uh, the world is famished without the Word of God. Uh, the world is spiritually hungry, spiritually thirsty, and Jesus is moved with compassion upon a lost world that is without the Word of God, and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. 
And he sees it as a harvest without a harvester. And so he said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. And that's the compassion of Jesus, his compassion for the multitudes. But really what I want to get to tonight is a principle in this miracle where God wants to teach us some things. And what I see is his concern here for the disciples. Jesus was patiently teaching his disciples. And I'm grateful for the fact that he patiently teaches me. And he patiently teaches you. Now for three and a half years, the disciples were privileged to walk with Jesus Christ. And he used the circumstances, he used the situations to teach him, teach them. They were with him day and night. They walked with him. They heard him teach. Uh, they saw his miracles. They witnessed all about his life. They knew every detail. And so Jesus used every circumstance. There was nothing by accident. I'm thoroughly convinced that when Jesus went to a location, uh, there was a purpose in that location. And I believe that uh, he was moved. Uh, he must needs go through Samaria. Uh, I believe uh, there he purposely goes because of the woman at Samaria. And I believe that uh, he purposely, as we saw last week or this past Sunday, he purposely went to the region of Tyre and Sidon because there's a woman there who Jesus knows has a daughter that is grievously vexed with the devil. And so not by accident that he went to that location. It's not by accident uh, that Jesus is here in this region at this time amongst that multitude. Uh, the Lord is teaching the disciples. He's preparing them for ministry. He's building their faith. And it's very important. He's going to use the storms. He's going to use every situation. He's going to use the feeding of the multitudes in order to prepare them later to feed the multitudes spiritually. So he's using the circumstances, the situation. And he'll do the same in your life. There's nothing by accident. He wants to use every situation. That's why, as we heard in song tonight, uh, that I want to be thankful. And when we understand that in the good and in the bad, uh, the Lord is in total control. And so here in a time out in the wilderness with no food, uh, the Lord is in total control. And in your life, whatever the situation, the Lord is in full control of your life and using those circumstances now, faced with the hungering crowds, in verse number 1 of Mark chapter 8, Jesus called his disciples unto him. I think that's interesting. He could have taken care of the needs himself. But now looking out on the multitudes, he calls the twelve, his disciples. He calls them to him. He involved them. And I believe that that's what the Lord wants. He wants to involve us in what he's doing. And he said to his disciples, basically, they don't have anything to eat. They've been with me three days. They've got a long distance to get back to their homes. In verse number four, the disciples responded. They answered him, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Now, earlier, remember, we just read part of the account in Mark chapter six, where Jesus fed the multitudes. 5,000 men beside the women and children. Five loaves of bread, two fishes. He fed the multitudes. He worked a miracle. And yet still they questioned the Lord. Lord, how are we going to take this? How can men be satisfied? How can a man satisfy these men with bread 
here in the wilderness. And again, he's preparing pastors, he's preparing preachers, he's preparing servants, and it takes time. And so he's teaching these lessons over and over and over again. Aren't you glad that the Lord, uh, you, he didn't give up on you the first time? Have you ever been taught a lesson by the Lord and you forgot that lesson? Uh, boy, I've done that many times. And forget the lesson that he was trying to teach me. And it seems evident the disciples uh, forgot what the Lord taught them previously in Mark chapter 6. In verse number 5, he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said seven. I think it's interesting. Uh, the previous experience, uh, they did not know what was available. They had to go out through the crowd. They found the little boy with five loaves of bread and two fishes. But now he asked the question, how many loaves do you have? And immediately they knew the answer. They already had an accounting of that. And so they were prepared with that answer on this particular occasion. Now what I want to do today is I want to take that account and I want to consider some of the lessons that he taught the disciples because these lessons are valuable in your service to Jesus Christ. And if you can grasp a hold of these lessons, it'll help you to serve by faith and not by sight. Now, I want to see, first of all, his principle of substance. Okay, How many loaves have ye? What do you have? He uses what we have available. Seven loaves, a few fishes. It's not a lot considering the multitude. But that's always where he starts. He starts with what you have. He starts with what is available. Now, many times we don't do anything for the Lord because we look at the humongous task. There's a multitude. What are seven loaves as compared to this great crowd? And so a lot of times, if we're not careful... Uh, we will not get started or do anything because we are discouraged about the vast task before us and the little that is available. See, my little is but a drop in the bucket compared to the need, and that's always going to be the case. Your little is nothing compared to what God calls us to. In, in fact, what the Lord wants us to come to the place is we're not depending upon our little, we're depending upon Him. And so your little is nothing compared to what Jesus has called you to do. In fact, you will never with your little be able to accomplish it. And so you've got to move beyond your little to His ability. And so that song that we sometimes sing, little is much when God is in it. Again, in chapter 6, little is much. Five loaves of bread and two little fishes. Little is much when God is in it. One boy bought a Bible for 10 cents. This was years ago. He gave that Bible to a friend. The friend took that Bible home to his family. The dad began to read that Bible to the family. The entire family was saved. That family became the foundation of a new church. Later, God called that young man that had been given the Bible into Christian ministry. That man became a preacher. Hundreds were saved because of the testimony of that one man. It all started with 10 cents. Little as much when God is in it. 10 cents bought a Bible that saved a family that called a preacher that led to hundreds of salvations. 
God starts with what you have. Now you think about this right here in this audience. If every person in this audience, and I'm talking children on up, if every person in this audience began to tithe, every person in this audience, you say, but my tithe is nothing. I only get a dollar for an allowance. Well, that 10 cents may be the 10 cents that buys the Bible, that saves a family, that calls a preacher. If every person in this auditorium, children all the way through adults, would get involved in faith promise missions, uh, that little is much when God is in it and added together uh, begins to cause a great, uh, a great, call, or a great uh, multitude fed for Jesus Christ. Uh, we had a young lady in our Christian school back in Oklahoma. She had a job there in, in the small town of, of Oklahoma where we were located. And uh, she began to tithe off of that job. And then uh, the Lord, through a missions conference, dealt with her heart. And she began to dedicate $20 a week. And here's a, a high school girl. This is back 30 years ago. Uh, beginning to give uh, $20 a week to worldwide missions. And God used that to support missionaries. And I know of one missionary that was supported by the church that went to the Philippines that started a great church that led to a Bible college and uh, multitudes saved in that church. And many preachers called out of that Bible college and $20 can do a lot for the Lord Jesus Christ when he's, get, when he's in it. It's a principle of God's substance. Everybody involved adds up. See, there's something you can do. You might have only seven loaves, and you look at the large crowd. Uh, what is that? Well, the Lord can take your loaves and do more than you can if it's dedicated to him. By the way, uh, you think about this, those seven loaves. The disciples could have said, well, we've got seven loaves. Send the crowds away. We can feed ourselves. We can have half a loaf apiece, and there's a half for you, Lord, a whole loaf for you. And uh, that could have been the attitude. And... 13 people would have been fed, and probably they're still hungry. But the Lord took those loaves, and he fed the entire multitude. That's the principle of substance. And then we see in this his provision of sustenance. Jesus was concerned, as we said, for the multitudes, and he fed them. He feeds the birds of the air. Isn't that a blessing? He clothes the lilies of the field. And he says to us, if he takes care of the birds and he feeds the lilies, aren't you of more value than they? And so he promises, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. See, Jesus was teaching his disciples, preparing them for future ministry. And basically he's sharing with them, I, I see your needs. He was moved with compassion on the multitudes because of their hunger. And it moved the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and friend, I am telling you here tonight, if he cares for the multitudes, he cares for you. He cares for the individuals. Do you know, he said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. He promises that if you will follow his will and obey him, uh, that he sees your needs, he will take care of you. And it's important for us to live by faith. And I believe the Lord is teaching that to the disciples. I'm going to send you into world ministry. And when I send you into world ministry, you're going to have to depend upon me. And the principle is this. If I can take care of the multitudes on two different occasions, then surely I can take care of you. And so that's that provision of sustenance. The Lord will take care of you. 
if you will put him first in your life. I think about this multitude for three days. They're there with Jesus. It seems they were so enthralled by the preaching and teaching. Wouldn't that be wonderful to have that privilege, a three-day conference with Jesus? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I think a three-day conference with Jesus, you wouldn't think about food. You would be fed spiritually such to the point that you wouldn't even realize you're hungry. And then it gets to the end of that three days, and wow, I, I haven't, when was the last time I ate? <laughs> and, and wow, that was three days ago. We've been here three days with the Lord. And here they are serving the Lord. They're in the will of God. They're hearing the teaching and preaching of Jesus, and he cares for their needs. And he'll do that for you. Then we have his power of supply. Again, the disciples witnessed a miracle. Verse 6, Mark 8. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks. And uh, that a wonderful thing to do before you eat. He took the seven loaves. He gave thanks. When I read that, it kind of reminds me of George Mueller, who on one occasion had many orphans in the house. And uh, they looked into the cupboards for breakfast, and there was nothing in the cupboard. The cupboards were bare. Had all of these children, nothing to eat. So he says, all right, kids, we're going to gather around and we're going to pray for our meal. And they gathered around, they began to pray, and they said, Lord, thank you for this food that we're about to eat. Nothing in the cupboards, but as George Mueller is praying, there's a knock at the door. And there's a man that had accidentally break, baked a truckload of bread, I think it was a week early. And he said, I've got this truckload of bread, and uh, it was, I'm off on my schedule, and I have nothing to do. Can you use a truckload of bread? And said, sure, bring it on in. And so as they prayed for their breakfast, now their breakfast has been supplied. And here's the Lord, seven loaves of bread. There's the multitude. Lord, thank you for what we're about to eat. Now, looking at that humanly seems impossible, doesn't it? But there's the power of his supply. Here the disciples had this front row seat to the miracle of the Lord. They've witnessed miracle after miracle. The calming of the storm, the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead, now the feeding of the multitudes, and now this second multitude. Is anything too hard for God? No, not at all. He called them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. An impossible task, but not for him. See, they knew from experience that he is able. And so I believe here's the principle that the Lord is giving to them. If I have called you to do something, my grace is sufficient and my power to supply your need is sufficient. He's able. And in verse number 8, we read, after he gave thanks, so they did eat and were filled. Isn't that a blessing? I think some of them, after three days, have you ever been without food for a while? I mentioned that camp and being out hunting and getting too far away from camp. You make it back to camp and you're hungry. You can devour anything. You'd eat a rattlesnake if that's what's available. Whatever you had, you would eat it. And here they are. You can imagine they were filled. After three days, they ate and they ate, and they ate, and they ate, and, and they were filled. That's what the Bible says. So they were filled, and now they took up of the broken meat that was left 
seven baskets. What a miracle. The power of his supply. So they knew from experience that power of supply. And friend, I think it was a lesson that they would learn as the church in Jerusalem, as he leaves, he started that church, and then he puts Peter, I believe, as the pastor after him. And here's Peter and the disciples, and they're leading that church. And uh, now the Lord has called them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I believe the Lord has taught them this power of his supply. And I will take care through my power the needs that you have. I've always heard it put this way. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. So we have his power of supply. Then uh, fourth principle, his purpose and service. Uh, Jesus could have fed the multitudes as we mentioned without them, but he chose to use them. And so, verse number 6, he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break. And what does it say? And gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And so here the Lord would use them to feed the multitude. Now, you think about this. They had no power of themselves. They were simply kind of the middleman. They took from Jesus, who had the power. He gave it to them, and they in turn gave it to the multitude. And you look at it, you're simply the middleman. Okay, you have no power. You have no ability. You have no sustenance. Your dependence is for him to give to you, to give to the multitude. And that's the way the Lord works. And later, he's going to use them to feed a lost world. It's not long after this that we come to the day of Pentecost. Jesus has ascended into heaven. And now he leaves the disciples there on the day of Pentecost. And their job is to feed the multitude. So what did they need? Jesus filled them with his Spirit. And so what they gave to that multitude was not what they had, but he filled them with his spirit and they gave out of what he had given unto them. And as that multitude on the day of Pentecost is fed, 3,000 are saved. And then we see in the coming days and years in that church in Jerusalem uh, that multitudes are saved and they're discipled just a few short years. And then we see them beginning to fulfill uh, the call and going to Judea, Judea and Jeru- uh, from Jerusalem to Judea and, and then to Samaria and uh, ultimately to the uttermost parts of the world, feeding the multitude. Friend, that's what he calls you and I, to feed the multitude. There are lost souls near us. You've got them next door to your house, at your workplace, uh, your relatives, your neighbors. And he calls you to feed them. Then, of course, I think about our task in northern New Mexico of planting churches. I think of missions abroad, uh, of nation after nation that needs to be fed, that needs the gospel message. And he's called us to feed the multitude. And he realize he has a purpose in service for each of us. It's exciting to be a Christian. And it's exciting to serve the Lord. 
I don't want to just exist. Don't you want to be a far part of feeding the multitudes? Well, don't you want to have that privilege uh, of taking what Jesus gives to you and giving it out to those around you? I don't want to be a Christian that takes that seven loaves and eats it all to myself and has a bellyache. Okay? I want to be a part of giving out of what Jesus has given to me. I want to be a part of serving the Lord. That's His purpose for us. Friend, it's exciting to be used in His service. It's exciting to be a part of His worldwide vision. I think our job is to simply find out what Jesus is doing and then fit our plans in that. So many Christians, you, you think about it, I, I think we're coming so close to the return of Jesus Christ. I, I think we're, we're there. And that's part of what I shared with our, our group this morning in Sunday school, uh, or in, in, children, or in a, a chapel today. Uh, we're so close to the return of Jesus Christ. And now, what an exciting day in which to live and to serve the Lord. And so many Christians are so intent on how much money they can make and, and how much they can have and all this stuff and possessions that's about to be burned up. And friend, you can be used of the Lord in ministering to the multitudes, having a part in His service. And I think about the huge task before us. I think God is calling a lot more people into ministry than are serving, than are yielding to ministry. I really believe that God is in that business today. And I think there are some people that if you would just say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'm yours, Lord. And I believe if you would come to that place, you would find an exciting place of service for Jesus Christ. Now, I believe whatever you do, you need to be called of the Lord. Uh, if you are... Uh, going to work as a businessman, uh, there's a call of the Lord. Uh, I believe if whatever it is, if you're going to flip hamburgers, uh, God can use you, but make sure that you're feeding the multitudes. Make sure that you're involved in his service. He's got a purpose of service, taking bread from him to the world. Now, verse number eight, his plan for the surplus. I thought this was kind of neat. It says, so that it eat. And were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. Now, do you notice here they didn't let anything go to waste? Okay? I think sometimes we would have seen that miracle, and my thought is, wow, look what the Lord did, and I would have given no thought to the leftovers. Okay? But they gathered up the leftovers, seven baskets full. They let nothing go to waste. And they had more, think about this, seven loaves of bread, a few small fishes. But after they're finished feeding the multitude and everybody has received their full, they had more afterwards than they had before. And that's sometimes how the Lord works. When you put to work what he's given to you, sometimes afterwards you got more than he had before. And then you think about this, what did they do with those leftovers, the collected surplus? I think there's no doubt that they used that as they needed you see, the disciples themselves had a long journey. They had a lot of work to accomplish, and I'm just wondering if it was not that surplus that maybe cared for their needs for the next days. The Lord knew what their need was. See, the Lord is frugal as well as he is bountiful, and he let nothing waste of all that he did. Now, those are important lessons that God was teaching his disciples, preparing them for the future. 
But I want you to skip forward. I'm going to close with this thought. Look in verse 14 of Mark chapter 8. See, Jesus had to remind them of these lessons. And so in Mark chapter 8, we skip to verse 14. And it says, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes to see, see ye not? Having ears to hear, hear ye not? And notice this statement. I underline this in my Bible. And do you not remember? Do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among the 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. Do you notice that statement? Don't you remember the lessons that I taught you? Here you are, you're worried. You've got one loaf of bread you forgot, left it behind, but you're worried about that all you have to eat. Don't you remember how I took care of you? Don't you remember the miracle that I worked for you in the past? Aren't we forgetful like that? How many times has Jesus answered a prayer? And then you have another experience you think you're going to die. Because you've come to the end of yourself. And now the Lord has allowed you to die in the wilderness. You forgot. He answered your prayer once, didn't he? Can't he answer again? And I think here's the principle the Lord is teaching them. I worked the miracle for you. I fed the 5,000. You took up 12, 12 baskets of fragments. I fed the 4,000. You took up seven baskets of fragments. Don't you remember what I did for you in the past? And if I've done it in the past, I can do it again. And friend, I think here's the principle. He's teaching them lessons. And friend, you think about this. And if there's a multitude to feed, he can take your little and make much of it. But he starts with what you've got. And he supplies your every need. And he has the power to supply that need. And he wants to use you to multitude to, or to minister to the multitudes. And he'll take you uh, one single vessel. You have no power of yourself. It's all what he does through you. And he takes through you and works to feed the multitudes. Don't you remember? And that's the principle that he teaches to us. The feeding of the 4,000. And that is how he can use you. Every head bowed.